and now the white wine. Uh, just a dash of salt, I guess. Oh, God, fucking shit! Jesus Christ! Hey, uh, Jim, what you, what you doing? Uh, I'm cooking. Oh, well, uh, what are you making? Don't ask. This whole thing's been a fucking disaster. What the fuck is this? I told you, don't ask. Uh, is this a fucking boar's head? It was supposed to be, but I... Do you know how to preheat an oven? Uh, I... yeah, I think you push... Uh, shit. I only make egos, but hey, you know... Well, it sounds better than this whole process. Uh, let's just throw this shit away. Let's get rid of that shit. Uh. Oh, fuck! Oh. Dude! Fuck all over the Do you know how long it took me to organize this closet? God damn it! Jesus Christ! Fucking Give me that! I got fucking macaroni fucking. all over my fucking shoes! I didn't even know there was macaroni in there. God damn it! Into the kitchen they come, dripping wet and full of excitement. They begin to eat their lunch, telling their parents about the amazing ride they just went on. Suddenly the spirit yells forth again, I have something for you! Look behind you! Oh no. The children turn around and behold fruits and berries of an unknown nature. Oh. The spirit exclaims excitedly, Those came from the West Indies! <laughs> what? I brought them here myself! Oh. You get a berry, and you get a berry, and you get a berry! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we pick two dead people and talk about their lives. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, James Boyardee. Say hi, James. Shut the fuck up. Cooking <laughs> is for losers. Yeah, yeah. I would know, because I, I cook a lot. I love cooking. It's, it's a passion of mine. Someday I will go to culinary school, and I will become the next major chef. And then I'll have a reality show, and I'll go through people's restaurants and pick on them while they suffer horribly from debt and eventually close their restaurants and whatnot. So we're just going to make this whole show about you, aren't we? Yeah, this whole show is going to be about cooking. Uh, and I'm going to teach you all how to make a stewed turnip. All right, here we go. Uh, step one, we hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested while we break down these characters I hit you. <laughs> from the odd and exciting family that is humanity. The way this works is that James and I will do our amateurish best to give a basic account of the major events in these people's lives and how they responded to them. We also hope to give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual character, which is harder to do, but we're going to try anyway, sort of like cooking. So James, who do we have this week? Witches. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, what are these witches' names? Or wait, what are their names, man? Come on. What do we got? Agnes Waterhouse and John Bell. Oh. Or the witch who haunted John Bell. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. But we're going to talk about John Bell. You didn't put it in the description. No, no, I didn't. I didn't write it. I didn't write it because we we don't we don't uh, have a script, everybody. We are completely ad-libbed. Right. Uh, no, well, uh, yeah. So, um, witches, huh? Agnes Waterhouse, John Bell. Sound like an interesting pair to me. Should be a good episode. Yeah, so how about without further ado... Oh, God, I've got Oh, excuse me. Okay. Heartburn. Oh. Uh, um, waffles. Yeah, we'll just cut this out later. <laughs> Let's head on down to the history lab and see what these people are like. One man, one woman, two witches. 
herein lies the stories of Agnes Waterhouse and John Bell, both of whom dipped their toes in the frosty, swirling black lake of the occult. One a magical wonder woman, harboring a secret pact with the devil, the other a plain man and farmer, known for being assaulted by the dark arts for years. In the battle for evil and evil, only one can become the most enchanted person in the land. So if I had to design your coat of arms, yeah. uh, it would be a giant turkey leg okay. with another turkey leg and then a whole loaf of garlic bread. Interesting. Hmm. Because you're fat. Yeah, I got that. Thanks. Well, okay. Um, if I had to make your family's coat of arms, it would just okay. be... You know those those magazines that show what smokers' lungs look like? Oh, yeah. After like 60 years of smoking? Yeah. Yeah, it would just be those black, crusty lungs <laughs> uh, sitting on a toilet. <laughs> I was going to say black, crusty lungs sitting on a toilet with the tops cut off and a handle of vodka shoved into each one. Yeah, that would yep. be me. It would be. <laughs> uh, signing for a dating online website uh guy uh, ladies i am single so no actually i'm not i have a girlfriend uh, she's in canada um shit <laughs> i'm single now yeah. <laughs> forgot about my girlfriend that's uh, a bummer yeah so hmm, if you want to hit me up and taste piper's pleasure or whatever oh my god yeah we're right here cutting this all <laughs> So, uh, hey, let's go over to the computer and pull up these uh, these witches, shall we? Anything that'll change the topic. Okay, computer, please bring up Agnes Waterhouse and John Bell. Affirmative, my lord. Ah, there she is. Hey, uh, so, uh, James, what was Agnes Waterhouse best known for? I'm so glad you asked. Are you? No. Okay. Agnes Waterhouse, uh, she is best known for being the first witch executed in England. The first of many. First of many. Mm -hmm. And what did she look like? Well, she looks like a cranky old woman with skin as light as an untoasted Pop-Tart. <laughs> okay. All we have showing her appearance is a rough sketch, though, so I have no idea what she looks like. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of like John Bell. Yeah, what does John Bell look like? Well, first, you got to ask me what John Bell is best known for. Oh, what is John Bell best known for? I'm <laughs> glad you asked, James. John Bell is best known for being constantly under attack by a horrible witch somewhere in Tennessee. Isn't that just... Normal Tennessee? Yeah, well, he was the first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, and what did he look like? Well, he uh, is a very inky-looking dude, ah. which is to say... Like an octopus? <laughs> yeah, like an octopus. Which is to say, the only picture I can find of him is a woodcut print where ah. he's crawling around desperately on the floor of his home trying to deal with his witch problems. Uh, we've all been there. Yeah, yeah. Well, say, you know, uh, I say we just start with Agnes Waterhouse. Okay. Yeah. So what was her early life like, James? Well, we don't really have any info on her early life. Typical. She was from the town of Hatfield Peverell in southern England, though. What an English name. Uh, so we'll just jump straight to when her life gets interesting. Great! The year is 1565 and William Finn is dead. Oh, poor Bill Finn. But who was William Finn? Nobody knows! Know. <laughs> uh, or at least Wikipedia doesn't know. Oh. Uh, but he was dead. Oh, and the okay. good folk of England suspected foul play. And who could play more foul than witches? Uh, Tom Brady. Yeah, the Patriots. <laughs> I was going to say the same. The Patriots are such football fans. Yeah, so into football. Uh, uh, no. Anyway, so the good English people found themselves some witches. Three witches. Oh! 
They got a woman named Agnes Waterhouse, her sister Elizabeth Francis, and her 18-year-old daughter Joan Waterhouse. The trial took place in July of 1566. The trial is recorded in a small little pamphlet entitled The Examination and Confession of Certain Witches at Chensford in the County of Essex, Essex before the Queen's Majesty's Judges the 26th day of July year 1566. That's one title? Yeah. That is awesome. One title. That's awesome. It I is. will name my next book exactly that. Good. I wrote a book, everyone. It's called The Bible. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That was beautifully heretical. Yes, 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 it was. But, uh, <laughs> well, speaking of heretical, let's get into John Bell's early life. Yes, let's let's talk about what it was like to be born in North Carolina in 1750. Mm. It's hot, it's gross, you live in a shack if you're lucky. Ooh. At this time, a ton of people are still living in dugouts, which are just literally holes in the ground. Ah, yes. And if you remember, Boston Corbett lived in a dugout in Kansas. Mm. That's true. And if you don't know who Boston Corbett is, go back and listen to episode one because he is so worth knowing about uh, and you'll find that episode one has that pilot itis where it's just not as good as anything after it but still it's pretty funny just looking back at it it's got boston corbett in it yep. it's hard to beat. yeah so <clears throat> now in north carolina a man named john bell began his life in such conditions mm. and sadly just like most ordinary people who existed before the internet his childhood and early life can be summed up in a few sentences mm -hmm. he was born in edgecombe north carolina he was trained as a barrel maker. Ah. One day he decided he wanted to be a farmer, and hilariously, he is listed on Wikipedia as John Bell. Farmer. Because <laughs> they're opposed to. As, as opposed to like John Bell statesman or John Bell musician. He's just John Bell. Uh, farmer. So. <laughs> so John uh, Bell's a farmer. Uh, but he's a damn good one. Oh, good. You could say he was outstanding in his field. Um, there are days when I wake up. And I'm reminded of you. <laughs> Is that because you roll over and I'm like lying there next and to you? And it takes... Oh my god. <laughs> it takes Morning everything Jesus. within me not to slit my own throat with a stapler. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do it. Well, you know, see, that's super convenient because if you did that, you could staple it right back up if you changed your mind. Oh, that's true. Which you shouldn't. Kill yourself. Hmm. You shouldn't kill yourself. Never. Let's get on with this. <laughs> anyway, so he's good at farming, right? So John marries a woman named Lucy, and the two of them settle on John's fancy-ass farm. And for eight years, they were among the most successful uh, family farms in the area. Oh, good. But in 1804, during the fucking winter, Bell and his family decide it's time to cross the fucking mountains, go to Tennessee, <laughs> and set up shot, uh, shop at a place called, I shit you not, the Barren Plains. <laughs> Perfect place for farm work, am I right? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> well, speaking of Barren, his wife was not. Uh. <laughs> John and Lucy's children were named Jesse, John, Drury, Benjamin, Esther, Zadok, Elizabeth, Richard oh Williams, and Joel Egbert. Jeez. <laughs> so, big family on the Barren Plains. Uh, but when he, anyway, in the Barren Plains, John flexed his rippling farmer's muscles Ugh. and went to work to make those plains less barren. He did not fuck the earth, in case you were wondering, you sick, sick person. Well, it was implied. <laughs> Very quickly, with the help of his army of children, John again became one of the most successful farmers in the area. Child labor. Yeah. But come on, how hard is it to be the best in the area when you're living in a place called the Barren Plains? Mm. Let's be real. True. If you got a fucking weed to grow, you earn a medal. <laughs> <laughs> so things were great for John and his brood. 
food was literally just popping out of the ground. The children were happy, except for Benjamin. Uh, he died. And the barren plains <laughs> were looking super not barren. Oh. But things were about to get very bad and very, very weird for John and his family. Oh. Sparking one of the most famous events in Tennessee history. Really? So <laughs> famous that the Secretary of State's website has a whole section on that thing. <laughs> what? And compare that to Illinois, where nothing works and Jesse White just stares at you like he wants to fuck your soul. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's like. So, you know what I say? I say we take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get to finding out what happened to Agnes Waterhouse. We are back to We Talk About Dead People. When we left off, we had just finished up talking about John Bell's early life, and we're going to be moving into the witch Agnes Waterhouse's adult life. Yes. Take it away, James. Now, I wrote this a little differently than normally. Oh. Uh, I, I wanted to make this a bit more emotional. Oh. So, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Okay. <clears throat> Outside of the English town of Hatfield Peverell stood a quaint little cottage. This cottage was the home of the Waterhouse family. On one stormy night, while all the honest folk were resting, evil outstretched its grisly hand onto this lonely cottage. Inside, Elizabeth, the eldest daughter of the Waterhouse family, presented a gift to her younger sister, Agnes. Oh. I gotta do, like, an old witch voice. Okay. My dearest sister. <laughs> that was good! My dearest sister. The night is dark and cold, and life is full of toil and hardship. But here, dear Agnes, here is a gift that will change all of this for you. And with that, Elizabeth presented a basket. Within the basket was a cat, a cat of pure white. The cat looked up and locked eyes with young Agnes. He's beautiful, Agnes exclaimed. (laughs) However did you find such a creature? (laughs) We just lost our entire, entire female demographic. Well, I don't remember what comedian who said it, but it's like, women always sound like these angry hamsters or whatever when men are impersonating them, and men always sound like these big, dumb, like, bumbling idiots when yeah, women true. impersonate them, so... it's uh, probably a little truth to both. Yeah, there's definitely truth to both. <laughs> yeah, I sound like this, I'm a dumb man, uh, We do, though. <laughs> we do sound like that. And we are dumb men. Oh, uh, we are so dumb. Uh, anyway, so, let's get back to this. Anyway, so, so she gives her a cat. Yes, a cat. Elizabeth bent down and put a finger to her lips. Hush, child. This cat of yours must be a secret. He was given to me by our grandmother, and now I pass the creature to you. But this is no ordinary cat. His name is Satan. The cat's, the cat's name is Satan. Oh my god. You could name every cat Satan. You should name every cat Satan. Uh, okay. His name is Satan. His name is Satan, and he has done much for me in the past. He will aid you as well, but there is a price. Oh. Whenever you present the cat with a task, you must also present a drop of blood. Oh. With this offering, Satan will complete your mission. He stole sheep for me, killed the man who would not marry me, Jesus. and also killed his baby that grew inside what me. What the fuck? Now, dear sister, I give you this cat. But, in exchange, I ask you for something. I demand of you a cake. A cake. <laughs> a cake. For a cat. She gives the that demon cat for a cake. A murderous, 
Sheep stealing cat in exchange for a cake? Uh, Deal! <laughs> yeah! Oh, it must have been a great cake. Oh, yeah. Mm. The deed was done, the cake was given, and Satan the cat joined Agnes's company. <laughs> Years went by. Agnes grew into womanhood. She was wise, beautiful, and kind. She married and had a daughter. Agnes named her daughter Joan, but all was not well. Always in Agnes's shadow was the white cat, waiting, silent. Then one day, the cat spoke to Agnes. Meow. Spoke to her in a strange and hollow voice. <laughs> My daughter Agnes, I am Satan. I desire a drop of your blood and a drop of your milk. In return, I will give you what you desire. Christ! <laughs> Unmoved by the talking demon cat, Agnes <laughs> decided to test the animal. What? Probably not a good idea. No! Your words reach my ears, but I am deaf to your promises. To earn my trust, you must first do this. Kill for me one of my hogs and bring the carcass to me. Shit. So Satan the cat did this. The pig's limp body was brought to Agnes's feet, and the partnership began. That's either a big fucking cat or a small fucking pig. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> As fate would have it, Agnes had tasks that needed to be done. A quarrel had recently begun between Agnes and her neighbors. She now knew how to retaliate. She approached the cat and issued her command. Cat, I give thee a new command. Head east to the nearest farm. Upon approaching, you will undoubtedly notice the large herds of livestock. Kill them. Kill the animals. Oh my god. For a drop of blood and a drop of milk, your wish is my command. Oh, so the cat went to the neighbor's farmyard and was gone for an entire night. But as the sun ascended, the cat returned. Agnes, I have killed all the geese and all the cattle of your enemies. You have asked and I have answered. <laughs> Agnes was frightened. What power this creature had! What terror! What evil! How had she allowed such a demon to trick her? The poor woman responded in the only way she knew how. How? Using a spell cast by the heathens centuries before, Agnes transformed the cat into a frog <laughs> and placed the helpless amphibian into a locked basket. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> this really happened? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll get into this later. Okay. But while Agnes celebrated her victory, the Dark Lord again stretched out his hand. One day, Agnes's teen teenage daughter, Joan, came across the basket while her, while her mother was away. Lifting the lid, the girl found a frog looking at her with eyes as black as coal. Fearing the worst, the girl <laughs> fell backwards onto the floor, spilling the contents of the basket in the process. The oh. two stared. Breaking into a sob, Joan commanded that the evil spirits within the frog leave and return to the underworld. But nothing stirred. The frog continued to stare. Full of distress, Joan fled the house and found haven with her neighbors. A young girl opened the door to her, and Joan pleaded for help. Please, kind maiden, I ask for some cheese and some bread. My spirit is shattered and my stomach is barren. <laughs> so her response to a demonic frog is, I really need a grilled cheese right now. <laughs> and the neighbor girl responds, No, no cheese for you, no bread for you. Now before I ask again, shoo, shoo, shoo! Oh, no! <laughs> With all hope lost, Joan returned to her home and to the frog that lay within. <laughs> <laughs> Filled with a longing for revenge against the neighbor child, Joan now knew what had to be done. Frog, 
I know you are a master of dark arts, for I see it in your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Thus, I ask of you, haunt this neighbor child who refused to me bread and cheese. Oh my god! (laughs) And Satan the Frog responded, It shall be done as you ask, but first... You must sell me your soul. Do <laughs> <laughs> you revenge on someone who didn't give you cheese? Yep. Oh my god! It's it's justice. Oh, great story. Keep Joan going. did as the frog of supreme evil asked. <laughs> then, right before her eyes, the frog transformed into a horrid creature. A dog as black as night, with horn on its head, a face like that of an <laughs> ape, a chain upon its neck, and a flame of evil in its eyes. God. Which is actually how it was described. That is horrible. Hours later, the dog returned. Its task was complete. The neighbor girl was sufficiently terrorized. Satan returned into the form of the cat. Oh. But all was not lost. The forces of good had taken the last straw. Justice had to be done. A mob formed. Torches were lit. Pitchforks were gathered. The witches had to answer to God for their crimes. Yeah! On the day of July the 27th, in the year of our Lord, 1566, Agnes Waterhouse, her daughter Joan, and her sister Elizabeth were brought before a panel of judges. Mm. Elizabeth, who had given the cat to Agnes, was found guiltless and allowed her freedom for now. She was actually killed years later in another trial. (laughs) Joan, who had used her mother's cat to terrorize the neighbor's girl was also allowed to go free. Oh. But Agnes, Agnes Waterhouse, had to defend her axe. Agnes Waterhouse, the evidence placed before you is vast and mighty. You have ordered the destruction of geese and cattle. You have killed the righteous man, William Finn. He lies dead by your doing. Tell us, in your defense, are you a good Christian woman? I'm afraid I am not much of a church-going woman. I do pray to the Christ child, but alas, my cat Satan demands that I pray in Latin rather than the holy English language. By God! You had the woman kill the witch! And with the trial complete, Agnes Waterhouse was led away. To what fate? Find out later. Listen to this 30-second ad! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to We Talk About Dead People. And we're going to be talking about John Bell's adult life. Right, the Tennessee farmer. The Tennessee farmer. John Bell, the farmer, Mm. on the barren plains. (laughs) One late afternoon on the barren plains, the wind whistling through the growing crops, the sun setting in the distance, John Bell stood amongst his fields, chewing a piece of freshly grown wheat. Yes, life was good for John Bell. Life was very, very good. A farmhouse full of healthy children at his back, a loving wife who provided him with everything he needed to run the farm efficiently, and cakes on the griddle. Mm. Life ain't nothing but a funny little riddle. Thank God he's a country boy! (laughs) But not all was well today with John. For as he stood among his grains and legumes, (laughs) a voice hissed forth from the trees nearby. I am a spirit. I once was very happy, but I have been disturbed and made unhappy. I am the spirit of a person who was buried in the woods nearby, and the grave was disturbed. My bones disinterred and scattered, and one of my teeth was lost under this house. I am here looking for that tooth. What? 
I am a spirit from everywhere. Heaven, hell, and earth. I am in the air, the houses, any place at any time. I have been created for millions of years. So it's a lost tooth? Yeah. All this for a tooth. Just keep that in mind. Oh. So at this That's very a different moment, kind of yeah. tooth fairy. Yeah. <laughs> at this very moment, John spots a dog-like creature among his crops. Oh, he raises his gun and takes the shot. But the creature <laughs> <laughs> but the creature manages to escape. When John brought this story to his family, his children excitedly told him that they'd seen strange creatures and heard weird things too. Oh dear. <laughs> In the nights that followed, something knocked on the farmhouse doors. John heard the sound of rats gnawing at his bedposts, wings flapping against the ceiling, and oh, none of these sounds were accounted for. Wow. And one night, John sat bolt upright in his bed. In the next room, the gurgling, struggling, awful sounds of a person being choked on the kitchen floor, accompanied by the scratching of rusty chains being dragged across the floorboards. During the day, the family heard furniture being torn apart and chained dogs fighting in the house. Wow. But on investigation, they discovered nothing out of the ordinary. You know, it sounds like... Shoot, I can't make that joke. I don't... The children began to report being pinched, shoved, or having their hair pulled by invisible hands. Hmm. And while this spirit, or by its official title, the Bell Witch, was rough, yeah, the, this the Bell Witch was rough with the children. Um, but she was often very friendly with John's wife. Uh oh, uh oh. I mean that sounds bad, but it's really just kind of, kind of weird, I guess. So John oh. reported. The witch had whispered to him that Lucy was the most perfect woman living. The wow. spirit is said to have sang Lucy to sleep when she was sick. Aww. No. Aww. So, John Jr., John's youngest son, began, or youngest, young son, maybe not youngest, I don't really know, <laughs> uh, began having these intense conversations with the witch, during which he told the witch to stop witching around so much. <laughs> In these conversations, he openly called the witch the spirit of the damned. <laughs> what a badass son. Uh, I know. He's like, little kid. come here, spirit of the damned. <laughs> yeah. Now the spirit talk was starting to unsettle the local ministry. John Bell and his family were heavily involved in their Baptist church, but when rumors started to crop up about Bell being in contact with a witch, the church members got a little nervous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, Bell was an elder at this church, and being an elder was one of his most treasured occupations outside of his farm work. Hmm. Uh, and the pastor of the church, Reverend Sug Fort. Uh, Sug Fort? <laughs> That's a pretty cool name, it Sug is. Fort. Yeah. Uh, however, told uh, John that he would stick with the Bell family no matter what happened. He vowed to help them deal with their witch problem, and no batter, uh, no batter. <laughs> no batter, well. Yeah. No matter how bad things got. That's what I, that's... No messed batter. messed me up when I tried to make waffles. Yeah, no batter. No batter. No batter. Messes up most baseball games when there's no batter. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Reverend Fort had little power over what the other elders in the church would decide to do. And they decided to investigate Bell and possibly excommunicate oh, him. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I didn't <laughs> even realize that Baptists did excommunications, but yeah, I think the I, more you know. Yeah. Uh, in this investigation... The church elders discovered that Bell had been tried and acquitted of usury in the case mm. of a small financial dispute. However, they decided to uh, retry the case. Oh, yeah. Okay. And in the course that followed, <laughs> found him guilty of usury. Ah. <laughs> they also brought up other disputes that Bell had been a part of, including one case where Bell had lent his best slave, Dean. That's right. He has slaves. Oh. So, yeah. Tennessee. Yep. It's the 1700s, man. Mm. Um 
Bill had, uh, or Bell had lent his best slave Dean to a fellow churchgoer and had gotten extremely pissed off when Dean came back with his head busted open. What? Yeah. What, just gaping open? Yeah, so the fellow oh, churchgoer beat the shit out of Dean for being too slow. Come on. Which is bullshit, because Dean was supposed to be the best, man. Anyway, so the church decided to excommunicate Bell, not on the grounds of being in contact with a witch, but because his double jeopardy case of usury. Mm, Yeah. Okay. So John becomes depressed. Mm. The whole family becomes depressed. The spiritual visitations continue. Things are just getting gloomy. But there's a little light coming in. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth, John's daughter, is turning 13 soon. Oh, good. In need of a little lighthearted fun, the family decides to throw her a birthday party. They invite everyone in the community to come, and many, many do. So it's like, what, three people? Because this is Tennessee in the 1700s? (laughs) Yeah. Or just Tennessee. (laughs) Yeah, it's three and a half people. (laughs) Um, Dean's got a busted open head. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so it's winter. The children are all playing outside in the snow, while the adults are socializing in the warmth of John's farmhouse. It's a good day! And sitting at the kitchen table, John looks up at the loving faces of his neighbors, his friends, his lovely Lucy. Hmm. The stove burns brightly, lunch is cooking, crackling, and aromatic by the window. John's eyes drift as he smiles dreamily, perhaps the first time in months. Outside, the snow twists in the wind. He hears his children laughing, dampened by the drifts. Then... Sleigh bells. Ah, he thinks, those scamps have got the sleigh out to go for a ride. Good for them. I hope they have a safe, safe ride. The bells approach, and the sleigh goes right by the window. But where are the horses? What? The children are in the sleigh, riding along, looking both fascinated and joyful. Hold on when we get to the corner, shouts the spirit. What? <laughs> so, yeah, the children oh. said that the, the spirit was telling them, careful, we're going a little too fast, we're in the corner. Hang on. Wait, so they're, the spirit is pulling the sled? The spirit is pulling the sled. That's and amazing. around the house they go, several times over, before the sleigh comes to a stop near the front door, and the children disembark. Into the what kitchen they... nice demon. I know, right? Except for, you know, haunting poor John Valley's, giving the kids rides and singing people to sleep. Yeah. Not bad. Hmm. Into the kitchen they come, dripping wet and full of excitement. They begin to eat their lunch, telling their parents about the amazing ride they just went on. Suddenly the spirit yells forth again, I have something for you! Look behind you! Oh no. The children turn around and behold, fruits and berries of an unknown nature. Well. The spirit exclaims excitedly, those came from the West Indies. What? I brought them here myself. Oh. You get a berry, and you get a berry, and you get a berry. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, so he, yeah, he'd been around the world. Yeah. Berries so. and... Right. Oh, wow. So the afternoon passes with no further events. Uh, in the blissful aftermath of the party, the family is lounging in the house by the warmth of the fireplace when there comes a knock at the door. Oh, shit. Outside was Reverend Fort. He told John that he intended to continue being his friend, whether or not he was in the church. So John invites him in for dinner, and the Reverend accepts. And it is during this meal that John's flare, John's (laughs) chair, flies out from under him. He falls on the floor and reportedly starts convulsing and vomiting. Demonic laughter fills the room. A threat came from a voice above. I will kill you and make you die the slowest death you can think of. Oh my god. I know. Wow. Yeah. It also threatened him with eternal torment in hell. Oh, we've heard that. Yeah. And the family reported the sound of cracking whips. And when John came out of his stupor, he revealed red and purple marks in his arms. Telltale signs of a good whipping. Oh, gosh. So on another occasion, the witch 
told a visiting reverend, another one, Reverend Gunn, which is <laughs> Fort also and bad. Gun. Yeah, so see, of Fort Gunn. Fort Gunn. She told Reverend Gunn that she had attended his sermon that morning, and Gunn was like, nah. And so the witch then recited his entire sermon word for word in Gunn's own voice. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that would do it. I know. This is really, um, really bizarre. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder how true this is. Who knows? 100%. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's on the Tennessee State we website. We should ask so. L. Ron Hubbard about it. <laughs> yes. He would probably yes. have a few things to say. Yeah. Yeah. Let's ask L. Ron. Yeah. L. Ron. L. Ron. <laughs> the witch must be cast back into the fires of Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's fate too bad even for that witch. But anyway, the witch also had a real problem with John Bell's slaves. Um, and I have a problem with his slaves, too. First of all, he has them. Yes. yes. <laughs> but Dean, who you'll remember as John's favorite, yes. uh, reported that he often encountered the witch as a wolf with two heads or uh, no head, which is terrifying to think about. Yeah. Wow. Uh, he claimed that he was often attacked by the witch and even got turned into a mule at oh. one point. <laughs> yeah. So Dean started carrying an axe wherever he went nice. and an enchanted ward <laughs> in order to keep himself uh, safe. Okay. Uh, back up a little bit. Yep. Uh, an axe. I, I get that. Yes. He's working in the fields. He yes. needs defense. Yes. Uh, explain enchanted ward to me. Okay, so his wife made him this little ball. A ball? And, yes. And then, <laughs> an enchanted ball. An enchanted ball. Okay. And then she cast a spell on it to uh, keep him safe from witchcraft. Oh. <laughs> makes makes much more yeah. sense. So, you know, spells. Can't Please go on. Spells. Harry Potter. Mm. Uh, there were attempted exorcism, reports of direct abuse, uh, directly directed at specific people directly, and all kinds of other tales surrounding this whole thing, and it just really gets kind of ridiculous at a certain point. I mean, the Wikipedia article, and actually most of the things, I, I, I read the Wikipedia article to get, like, find sources and things, Yeah. and so I found a whole, like, play-by-play of the whole damn thing, mm-hmm. um, and it just, it feels all made up. Honestly, there's a couple of things where it's like, okay, yeah, there are collaborating reports there, you know, um, or corroborating reports. And sure. um, you're like, okay, that kind of could have, I could see that happening. But like, some of this stuff is just so crazy. It's like, this has got to be folklore. So, right. Um, but, it's kind of just like a thing. If you're from Tennessee, you've got to be a part of this. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but here's one thing that's not folklore Andrew okay. Jackson himself came to oh, see this oh, thing. No. Um, uh, but uh, that's where we'll leave it for now. And when we come back, we'll hear about how John Bell died. Did Andrew Jackson see it? Is there any record? Yeah, Andrew Jackson was there with a whole bunch of uh, hunters or whatever, witch, witch hunters and ghost hunters and things. Oh, jeez. Um, and basically, they the witch chased them away. And Andrew Jackson was like, it's real! And ran. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, wow. But hey, let's take a break and yep. then we'll come back and talk about some deaths, man. Good. Yeah. How would you like to swing on a star? Carry moonbeams home in a jar and be better off than you are? Or would you rather be a mule? And we are back to We Talk About Dead People and now we're going to talk about some deaths. Good. We're going to talk about Agnes Waterhouse's death. Mm. Mm. Tell us, James, how did Agnes yeah, Waterhouse die? last left her at that trial, and it didn't go well for her. Ah. Agnes Waterhouse was beheaded two days after her trial. Oh, shit. She was found guilty for killing a man, killing a bunch of geese and cattle, and talking to a cat named Satan. Okay, so what did they do with the cat? Uh, it didn't say. I'm assuming the cat got away. That's the most important part of it. The cat oh, gets away? Okay, and here's the best part. Okay. So, the little girl that was frightened by the dog uh, yes. earlier, she was, she spoke in this trial, and their biggest piece of evidence against Agnes was the little girl said that when she asked where the dog had come from, the dog looked in the direction of Agnes's cottage. 
And that's the evidence they used to incriminate her as a witch? Seriously? <laughs> yes, because this oh little God. girl said that the scary demon dog looked at her cottage. You know, but honestly, let's look at that, okay? Let's look at let's look at that little situation, okay? Mm -hmm. That is justice, if I've ever seen it. Absolutely. We're talking about the good old days here, you know? Us millennials, we don't know shit about mm, justice. True. And honestly, 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 yes. if a dog looked in the direction of my apartment... I'd kill you. Uh, we would have problems because no dog would ever want to go to my apartment. They would smell the death. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so they beheaded her. Uh, yeah. And they didn't do anything to the cat, who was actually Satan. You don't think so. Her Damn. sister was killed a few years later as a witch. Uh, uh, okay. But I think her daughter lived on. Okay. Not as a witch. Now, uh, even though she was the one who gave her soul to the demon cat. That's pretty weird. Anyway. <laughs> now, as you listeners might have gathered, the evidence was, well, kind of sketchy. The stories of Agnes Waterhouse and her family's doings are kind of all hearsay. Mm. Or maybe bullshit. <laughs> or maybe justice. Yeah. But this was popular at the time. Um, how dare women remain unmarried, live alone, or practice herbal medicine when medicine is a man's business? Yeah, how dare they? These women must be witches. How else can such affronts to our patriarchal establishment be explained? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to say patriarchy on the air just because you're dating a feminist. Look, I, <laughs> I pissed off all the women with my voices earlier. Yeah. The least I can do is can a do. little feminist but, shout out. But see, now you're reminding me of Elizabeth Bathory because, you know, she was accused of being a witch and all the rest and, you know, working witchcraft right. because she was super into medicine, learned surgery and things like that. Mm. Uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a, a bullshit line that just keeps popping up. Yeah. I don't like it. It's kind of convenient to just yeah. have that witch... <laughs> Which thing? <laughs> Definitely a witch. Um, uh, but hey, let's move on to John Bell's end and death because right. I, it's got a little more, a little more detail, and I think it's uh, quite interesting yeah, to say the least. I, hmm. So, when we left John Bell, his family was under constant torment at the hands of the Bell witch. John was tired. Hmm. He'd spent nearly fifteen years in Tennessee, almost all of which he'd been tormented by this witch. Oh. His family was getting knocked about constantly, living in fear of random and inexplicable events, and more. It was getting out of hand. Uh, yeah. 1820, six days before Christmas, John Bell can't get out of bed. No. Junior comes in and offers to go get some medicine from the cabinet. John tells him to go. When Junior opens the cabinet, all of the medicine is gone, and all that remains is one tiny bottle of a smoky liquid. Barbecue sauce? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then the spirit erupts in the laughs and is quoted here on the Tennessee official webpage. What? <laughs> <laughs> Quote. <laughs> Wait, is this the Tennessee government's official webpage? Well, it's the Secretary of State's official webpage. And they're quoting demons on yes. it. Yes, they are. Okay. <laughs> Quote. Wow. <laughs> it's useless for you to try to relieve old Jack. I've got him this time. He will never get up from that bed again. I gave old Jack a big dose of it last night while he was fast asleep, which fixed him. <laughs> God, that definitely needs to be read in a southern accent. I gave old Jack a big dose of it last night while he was fast asleep. Sure fixed him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, there goes our southern demographic. We've lost all our demographics. We've lost women, men, and the, the south. south. <laughs> Because that's a third option after women and men. <laughs> oh, God. So, uh, Junior takes this bottle of smoke and throws it into the fire, and it explodes into blue flame. Shit. But it was apparently too late, for John Bell died the next day. Mm. 
At his funeral, it was reported that the spirit sang drinking songs during the service. I love this demon, okay? Yeah. Uh. Uh, then the witch was never heard from again. Uh. So got, got, got its revenge, <laughs> and then just gone. Okay. Uh, now, years later, it was discovered uh, that the majority of the afflictions that John Bell reported were the early signs of a neurological disorder known as Bell's palsy. Named after him? No. Named oh. after the guy who discovered it. And it's just a coincidence. Uh, but this failed to explain the other unearthly things that had more than one witness. It's a great legend, honestly, but I guess I feel mostly sorry for John. Yeah. Except for the part about owning slaves. Uh, that's that's certainly not chill. <laughs> not chill, John. Come on, John. <laughs> so, learn from John, everyone. Owning slaves will get you haunted by a witch that will kill you. Oh. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, you said that in the Emancipation. Oh, yeah. You better not own any slaves or I'll send a witch. <laughs> a ghost witch <laughs> turns into a headless dog and then turns your slaves into mules also known as General Grant <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> and there goes our north oh, there goes the north <laughs> so all we have left now as far as demographics go I think we still the have the border our, states we still have Iraq <laughs> Is that the only thing that's out there besides the north and south? Yep. Iraq? Yep. Well, that's basically what you're hearing, I guess. Yeah, thanks, media. You big liars. <laughs> the only thing the media is right about is millennials. We're all stupid and lazy. We're the only media you can trust. Yes, only trust us. We're basically... Fox News, everybody. Breitbart. <laughs> the, the place. <laughs> Drudge Report. Go read it. Uh, Wake up, sheeple! Well, those are some seriously enchanted stories, James. I believe in witchcraft. Uh, oh, uh, are you a witcher? Can you uh, can you cast a spell on me so I become as handsome as Maurice Bavard? Absolutely. Hebel dee, deebel dee dee, hobble dee do, hobble bee bo, explodey light thing now. Oh fuck! You're a fucking mule now. Well, shall we head to the surface? By all means. Uh, can you get the button? It's it's tough with hooves. Jackass. Way too easy, James. Cheap shot. Go fuck yourself. Mm. Well, uh, I guess since I'm a mule, I'll just go graze and possibly star in a few Aesop's fables. Mm, yeah, well, I'll enjoy that. I'll be at the tavern. Oh, oh, that's a great idea. They have, uh, grass-flavored beer? Uh, Keystone Light? Perfect! I guess I should close the show now, though, before we head over. Probably. Well, I think it's time to bring the show to an end for today, people! Feel free to send all your hate mail to we talk about dead people podcast at gmail.com. We will read all of it and not along. If you're becoming, uh, well, I should say, if you hate us, you're probably right. If you like us, though, please consider funding the show by becoming a patron on patreon.com. That's patreon.com slash we talk about dead people. Even as little as a dollar, as much as it costs to buy me an apple at the petting zoo, helps tremendously. With all that being said, we'll close out and let the sounds of hell play you out.